Welcome to this podcast episode of Narcissists in Divorce, The Narcissist Trap. I'm Dr. Supriya McKenna. I'm a former family doctor, but my life's true work is working with people who have fallen prey to narcissistic relationships of any kind. But I'm particularly busy in the area of divorce. Over the last few years, I've been very proud to become an Amazon best-selling author on the subject of narcissism, and my brand new book, Narcissists in Divorce, From Love Locked to Leaving, is out right now on Amazon. That's the first book in the Narcissists in Divorce series, and the follow-on to that will be out in the spring, and that's called Narcissists in Divorce, From Leaving to Liberty. And please do note that although I use the word divorce, these books are equally applicable to anyone leaving a serious intimate relationship with a narcissist, whether they are married or not. I also have a book out called The Narcissist Trap, The Mind-Bending Pull of the Great Pretenders. And that book might be useful in helping the people around you who are supporting you to understand more about what happened to you and about narcissism generally. I'm also the co-author with British divorce lawyer Karen Walker of Narcissism and Family Law, a practitioner's guide. And between us, Karen and I have trained thousands of family law professionals in narcissistic personality disorder, including judges, lawyers, mediators and social workers. For further narcissism resources from me, please do visit thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com. And that web address has the doctor fully spelt out. So, Supriya, what sort of people do you think are targeted by those suffering from narcissistic personality disorder? Are they a specific type? Anyone can actually be targeted by a narcissist, anyone at all. But the pattern seems to be that, although they may initially be drawn to the narcissist, the people who are more likely to stay with the narcissist tend to be one of a certain type or have certain traits Having a great deal of empathy, being a very empathic person, is a key trait that a narcissist will be very, very attracted to because they can quite often play the victim or want to be rescued and they behave in ways that obviously aren't very nice at times, but an empathic person will will make excuses for them. They'll say, oh, it's because they were tired or it's because they were stressed or they just need more love and they'll just give and give and give. Now, a narcissist, again, by definition, will take and take and take. So that dynamic is is perfect. Someone who will endlessly give more and more and more and always understand and make an excuse for the narcissist who will just take and take and take all that is um, on offer and will ask for more and more. So that highly empathic person is, is a potential target. The other category of people that are ripe for exploitation by narcissists are people with poor boundaries. If you're a poor boundary setter, if you always end up being the person that sort of says no and then you get convinced to say yes and you do things for other people that you didn't really want to do um, or you agree to things that you didn't really want to agree to and your boundaries are porous, you don't know where you end and the other person begins. A narcissist will test you and they will test your boundaries and if you give in, they will exploit that. So someone um, with a kind of inherent desire to please. Mm, yeah, people pleasers, rescuers, mm-hmm. that's a big one. Somebody who needs to feel that they can rescue someone. It gives them a sense of purpose. If the narcissist is a victim type, they will play the victim in order to be rescued. 
And as we know, narcissists are not born narcissistic, but it's as a consequence of some trauma or difficulty or attachment issue that they suffered in their own childhood. So would it be right to say that, bearing in mind that for all intents and purposes they remain that rather childlike person from an emotional perspective, that they're looking for someone as well that will nurture that and look after them, and so have very um, a very giving and caring nature. Mm. Mm. Yeah, perhaps they're trying to make up for the, the love that they didn't feel they received um, in their own childhoods. Um, so someone who believes that love conquers all, that they can just... Um, overcome any problem by just loving more and giving more again that's another another type that a narcissist will very happily exploit um, and it is exploitation and i suppose there's much said about lawyers going into the family law side of the profession because they want to help people a sort of clicheic description if that's why um, individuals have found themselves undertaking that facet of the law i suppose if you have an individual who has a, opted for that form of work because of their desire to please and help others, actually putting a lawyer with that personality together with a narcissistic client would be an absolute recipe for disaster. Mm. Mm, yeah, so if they're empathic, if they want to give, if they want to rescue, and again, if they have poor boundaries, I mean, gosh, the narcissist will push those They'll be working till 10 o'clock at night. Every night, (laughs) yeah. yeah. And and so therefore, I suppose, if you are managing a family team and you sense that you have a member on that team who has these empathic qualities, um, then you you really want to be um, making sure that they have the right workload and they're dealing with the right clients Mm. that suit their personality. So Mm. perhaps something else from the practitioner side that one needs to look out for. Mm. So the other type that tends to be targeted by narcissistic individuals are the codependents. So people who have been in relationships before, perhaps with alcoholics or substance abusers or people with chronic illnesses, they tend to develop a codependent type of relationship. It's an extreme preoccupation with the other person in the, in the relationship and they need that other person to be okay in order for them to feel okay. And they tend to put the needs of that other person ahead of their own needs and actually forget about their own needs. They may not even actually be able to identify their own needs after a long time in a codependent relationship. And narcissistic relationships are codependent. So if you've come from a relationship of codependency, just be careful that you're not going into another one. And is that sometimes referred to as an echoist? There is a difference between codependency and echoists. The spectrum of narcissism goes from a one to a 10, and if you're a five or a six, that's where you want to be. That's, that's a healthy amount of self-advocacy. You're able to stand up for yourself. You're able to exert good boundaries, but you still have empathy for other people. And it's, it's the perfect place to be, really, in terms of how you are in yourself and how you relate to other people. If you're a seven, eight, nine, or 10, that's increasing amounts of narcissism. And, and there, your empathy levels are decreasing as you go up the, the levels and you're becoming increasingly narcissistic and you're therefore abusing other people more and more to their detriment. The echoists are an interesting category because they are the ones, twos and threes on that spectrum. I see. So they're often actually the children of narcissists. So they actually don't like to have needs. They don't feel special in any way. 
echoists have an aversion to feeling special. They actually feel uncomfortable feeling special. They are the polar opposites, really, of narcissists, so that opposite attraction um, is very, very strong indeed. Okay. And do you think um, also that narcissists look for partners that show them in a good light? So perhaps somebody who's very attractive or very successful or very personable so that the narcissist can say, look at the person that I'm with that's um, been attracted to me. On the one hand, the narcissist wanting to have a partner who reflects well on them, um, but on the other hand, doesn't want to be overshadowed by them. Mm. So we'll actually belittle them and Mm. try and pull away the, the exact reason why they were attracted to them in the first place so that the partner becomes something of a shadow mm. of what they were and and therefore not the perfect person that the narcissist saw in the first instance which then gives rise to the devaluation stage mm. I know it's that's... a great yes and there's an irony in that um, somewhere that they they actually turn the person who had those fantastic traits that they were drawn to into someone else by by devaluing them and bringing their their self-confidence down that does happen particularly actually um, it's the closet narcissists who like to associate with people who they perceive to be more special than themselves Um, because they like to sort of bask in the glory of the other person's specialness that's they don't want to directly steal the limelight this particular type of narcissist they want to feel special by association by holding up this other person as evidence of their own specialness if you see what I mean also of course a person who's been brought up in a narcissistic family system so someone that's been brought up by narcissists is going to be attracted to narcissists more than likely um, without realizing it so they may have not got on with their family but they still on some level will, will be drawn to the narcissistic type because it's their normal mm-hmm. and because um, it feels familiar and it feels safe they feel on a subconscious level that they know where they stand so there's that subconscious pull to the familiar so anyone who's who's been brought up by narcissistic or toxic people um, may find themselves very attracted to a narcissist in a in a very strong it's a very strong type of attraction that they feel they instantly like them. They feel like they've known them their whole lives. It's that whole familiarity thing. And that's a real red flag. So be careful if you've been brought up by narcissistic parents um, and you feel this sudden overwhelming familiarity with someone and you just understand each other and there's this instant soulmate connection, be wary of that because it may well be that they're a narcissist. That's a bad sign, clearly, to mm. have that connection. But the problem with this, of course, is that everybody talks about chemistry. You're supposed to experience, when you find the love of your life, you're supposed to be experiencing chemistry. And many people talk about this. They go on a first date and they go, oh, there was no chemistry, so I didn't arrange a second date. Mm -hmm. The problem for someone who's been in a narcissistic relationship is that chemistry can be the very last thing that they need to feel. Chemistry might be a warning sign for them. I see. Um, and that's really important to know. It's not the same as for other people. That chemistry is familiarity. It's the pull of the familiar and they should probably be wary of it. And so if you feel you've met your soulmate, you want to be asking yourself why mm. in that it may be that you've had something in your own upbringing which has been involving an element of narcissistic abuse mm. and it's that familiarity mm. that you see. Mm. Yeah. But of course, again, this new person 
isn't going to look like your mother or your father or whoever the narcissist was in your upbringing. They're going to be nothing like them. They're not going to behave like them. They may be they may be shy. They may be all sorts of things that the narcissistic parent wasn't. They look very, very different and behave very, very differently on a superficial level. But things become clear over time if you know what you're looking for. And you want to be attuned to your own feelings. Mm. So you want to listen again to that gut instinct that fight or flight this is what my body's telling me I'm I'm feeling a bit strange and there's a reason for it but how hard is that I mean for someone you feel this overwhelming chemistry and and you're telling yourself well I have to ignore it Mm. um it's virtually impossible to Mm. do what I think you have to do is just be very aware and really attuned to the behaviors of narcissism and be hyper vigilant really you will be love bombed by a narcissist in the first instance so that's a big red flag if it's really over the top professions of love and you're the perfect person for me really look out for that there will be devaluing behaviors um, on the way but it may take a long long time to see them so if it's a bit too good to be true at the start if if you you sort of pinch yourself to say how is this person so perfect and it just doesn't feel quite right mm. that that it that it is a little bit too good to be true mm-hmm. Just be wary of that, Mm. is what you're saying. Mm. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. That's a very good point. My brand new book, Narcissists in Divorce, From Love Locked to Leaving, is out now. For more information and online courses about narcissism, please do check out my websites, thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com.